You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Well, so I'd, I'd love to have video on to be able to show you guys what I've got, but um, it gets oh, a dear. bit hard. So we, we could leave it till, till another week, maybe. Okay, yeah, I don't know if I want you showing us what you got. Um, the <laughs> vinyl, Kevin, vinyl. Okay, and folks, that's just the way we go. Mark's trying to show Mike and I exactly what he's got, and it's very disturbing when he tries to do that. But anyway, welcome, folks. Yes, it is disturbing. So No, but, it's not. Yes, it is. Folks, welcome to GSE 178. Uh, we're going to try to get through this. We're having <laughs> Skype troubles. Um, it's been playing up a bit. Our overlords at the NSA appear to be mucking with the stream tonight, so... Yeah, mucking is one word. Cross the streams? Uh, yes, that's Ghostbusters. They did cross the streams. <laughs> I haven't seen Ghostbusters in ages. I, I miss that movie sometimes. D- well, I don't know. Although sometimes I get tired of it too. It, I, I think as a uh, the problem was as a kid and a teenager, I um I just watched it too many times. I would watch it if I could every single weekend at least once, and I dearly love the movie, but. I don't know. It, it just I, I got it on Blu-ray a couple of years back, and it just didn't feel the same to me. It didn't have that same atmosphere for me, and maybe it was just I wasn't in the right frame of mind to to watch it at that time. But it just it it seems to have aged and is no longer as funny as it used to be. Maybe it's just I'm becoming a, a grumpy old man. I don't know. I think that's part of it is that you are a grumpy old fart but I mean you know that's beside the point I, all three of us or Mike and I have already <laughs> passed old fart we're moving on to nasty old shit but <laughs> something just, to look forward to yeah you're just moving into the grumpy old fart stage so <laughs> awesome so you then that moves on to nasty old shit um, but yeah no, you know some movies hold up better than others but there's a lot of movies even though I've watched them a bunch of times you know, it's like the movie, I think we've talked about it before, War Games. I can almost recite that movie. And my wife will not watch it in my presence anymore because I sit there and recite the dialogue along with the movie. And she's, it just drives her up a wall. Yeah, that, that's the same as people sitting along to music. Um, listen, I've got the album on because I want to hear the artist sing the song, not you. Because <laughs> you sound like you've got the cat by the tail and you're swinging it around the room. It's awful. So, yes, I agree with your wife, Kevin. Do not do the uh, the quotes from the movies, people. It is absolutely, horrendously irritating. Surely, some- Shirley, you must be kidding. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, please, Shirley, you can't be serious. <laughs> Surely I am. <laughs> That's another movie I haven't watched in a long time. Airplane, I love that movie. I still remember going to see it in the theater it was a small local theater, and we were sitting there, and people were laughing, and it hit kind of a quiet point. And then the, when he comes out and he says something about, you know, we're in danger or something like that, and everybody on the plane jumps up and starts, and they say, don't panic. And everybody jumps up and starts screaming, ah! And all of a sudden, you see this woman come across in front of the screen, and all you see is these two breasts on the screen. And before the audience in the theater can break out laughing, you hear this little kid down front, Mommy, boobies! <laughs> <laughs> and it proceeded for about seven minutes of laughter. Nobody could shut up because the kid said, oh, Boobies! <laughs> it was hilarious. Yes, I, I, I've shown my kids how to spell out boobies on the calculator. <laughs> I'm a good dad. <laughs> uh, 
that it's it's yeah. You got to teach them these things. You have. You to. do. They have to be the kid that goes to school and tells all the other kids, "Oh, look at this! Look at oh, it upside down. It says boobies." Well, you know, uh, when my oldest child was in preschool, I used to uh, tell her, I said, you know, when we were when I was little, we were so poor, honey, that you know your grandmother had to feed me. Uh, cat food we, we had to eat cat food a couple days a week because we just couldn't afford to eat anything else and you know all this stuff well she went to school and told the the preschool teacher that. <laughs> and the preschool teacher you know she laughed about it uh yeah. Miss, mrs riley knew that i was i was kidding about it uh but then my mother goes to a uh, shows up to go to a program that the preschool was putting on i don't know whether it was a christmas program or something and I had told mom I'd done this, and my mother was just totally offended by this. And she goes up to the preschool teacher and goes, I did not feed him cat food. I really didn't. <laughs> you know, well, when I was growing up, we were so poor that I, I wished sometimes that I would be able to have cat food. My mother was, uh, oh, let's just say, strange in her ways. And the cat never went without food, always had the, the top-tier food, uh, the most expensive cat food you could get. And we were barely able to eat half the time, and it's just I, I could never understand that. And to this day, I never can. Why why feed the cat food? Why get cat food and feed the cat that expensive stuff? And, and then we got the rubbish. But uh, ah, look, individual people, I guess. But no, it is um, it is rather funny because you try to in- instill uh, some beliefs and some basic um, morals and ethics in your kids, and and you try to use examples and. But then as the kids get older too, they, they start to question these things as well. And you go, Look, I'm just trying to teach you something or it's a figure of speech or something. And they just question everything. It's, it's quite hilarious what gets back to everyone. Oh, well, that's not as bad as when, uh, when my oldest was a little kid and I got her going and she for a long time couldn't figure it out. And my wife yelled at me. I'd be sitting in the chair upstairs and I'd lean over and break wind, you know, and it, it, it'd rumble. <laughs> And and she'd turn around and look at me and go, what was that? I said, it's a carpet frog. Go look, it's underneath <laughs> the carpet. And I'd have the poor child, you know, crawling around on the floor looking underneath the rug and all this stuff. Trying to- <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what you're meant to do. You have to traumatize your children, people. If you don't uh, traumatize your children, they're just going to traumatize you. You've got to get some back. Or, or your siblings, because uh, uh, I have two stepbrothers who are about 20 and 21 years older than I am. So uh, mom was in the hospital, so I was staying with one of my brothers. And uh, I was about, I want to say four or five years old, something like that. And so he showed me this trick. So when uh, mom came back from the hospital, I lifted up my shirt, pointed at my belly button, and went, hey, mom, look, my asshole. Oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think my mother was too impressed with my brother. That That's would, hilarious. Yeah. That, well, I, I, one of the worst things that ever happened is uh, my my sister and I used to take we'd lock each other out of the house, lock the storm door on the house, and lock each other out. And I locked her out one time, and then she got in, and and then she locked me out. And I got mad, and I started pounding on the window of the storm door. And about uh, the fifth, and there was a friend of mine sitting on the porch beside me, and I was standing pounding on the door. And all of a sudden, my fist went straight through the glass. And this is before the days of safety glass. Went through, and I yanked my wrist right back out, and I looked down, and blood is just streaming all down my hand. I've slipped my wrist open. And I I start, then I start screaming. 
My friend behind me looks and jumps up, starts screaming bloody murder, and runs home. <laughs> he, he's real helpful. My sister's like, oh, shit, what did you do? And then comes my brother, half naked, running down from the shower because I'm standing there screaming. It was the you know and a, and a blood run down. So there, my brother was in the fire department at that time. So he's trying to stabilize me and you know calm me down and all this stuff. And then he sees the blood and he starts to freak out. <laughs> it was a, and they have to rush me to the doctor's office and they get in there and I didn't cut any major veins. But even to this day, I'm that's been forty some years ago, forty five years ago. I still have the scar on my wrist from doing it where I sliced it open on that storm door. Oh my God! The things we do when we're children to pick on each other. Yeah, well, I never had siblings, so I kind of missed out on a lot of this cool stuff. Uh, thank, thank God, I've you know I've got very close friends um, now as an adult that I class as as sort of siblings, and and you, ha- you can have lots of fun, but it's still not the same. You've you've missed out on on just that innocence of stupidity because now we think too much. Oh, okay, if we go and have too much to drink, for instance, well, yeah, we got to pay for it the next day. When you're younger, you don't care. You just, oh, let's go, yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, my, like I said, my family's older than I am, so I didn't have a lot of those interactions, but I do remember a, a story that my uh, uh, about my brother and my sister that my mom always told me. Uh, way back in the day, this was, because they're uh, 65 and 67 now, so this would have been in the, no, early 60s, I think it was somewhere in there. Um, they were young, t- pre- probably teen, probably preteen. Uh, you used to get uh, this stuff, well, oleo, margarine, whatever, and it came oh, yeah, in a yeah, yeah, and it came in a sack, and it had this little color capsule that you would break, and then you need the stuff around so it would get that yellow appearance, so it kind of looked like butter. Well, so they were. Uh, my brother and my sister had the sack, and they busted the little capsule inside. Was mixing it around, and I think uh, my sister took the uh, bag of uh, uh, margarine and threw it up in the air. And they didn't catch it. It came down the floor and splat. Uh, it went splat and broke. You know, spread all over the place. And she goes running out and uh, said that Boyd dropped it. So mom took Boyd and gave him a good spanking well then once he quit crying he said that it wasn't him it was lois so then mom took lois out and give her a good spanking too so <laughs> the uh, ones the spankings i used to hate were the ones where they'd send you out to get and, and i'm i know this sounds stereotypical, but i did used to get sent out to find the switch to beat my own ass with i really hated to go out and get get a get a branch off that tree go down in the woods there, get something off the tree and bring it up here so I can beat your ass. It's like, really? <laughs> Come on. You know, I, I, I used to get the wooden spoon, uh, especially yep. from my aunt. She would break wooden spoons. She had a drawer full of just wooden spoons for when her tree and when I, uh, you know, were, were playing up and then boom, you'd get the wooden spoon across the ass and it would break and it would hurt. <laughs> you know what was almost as bad as that? Do you remember the... I assume you had them down there too, Mark. Paddle ball games where you had the wooden paddle with the rubber band, yes. and, the little, and you you sit there and see how many times you could bounce it. <laughs> yeah, and, I used to love those. I I missed those so much. They were great. But I learned something when I broke the rubber band on the thing. Break the damn paddle and throw it away because if not, that was used to beat my ass with, <laughs> and that thing hurt. <laughs> that thing really hurt. So. That, yeah, we, we all had uni- our own unique ass beatings, I guess. And this was in the day when, and I know Mike remembers this, we used to still get spanked in school back then. 
I mean, oh, those were the days. Yeah. As I, I go to school now and I see the kids and I keep asking people why corporal punish corporal punishment is bad. Why? And some of them are kind of nodding their head, going, "Yeah, we know." And I keep—I had this, you know, really neat idea that uh, we could just put remote-controlled shock collars on the kids, and all the teachers love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea as well. Get 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 a set for my two. Oh yeah, I know. And you know, the thing is, it's just because that most kids are good, but there's those few, and there's—I won't go into details, but I know there's a couple that we keep our eye on them. Not that they're necessarily evil. But they are very mischievous. Um, that's yeah, you, you always you always get that in every school. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, and look, all kids are good and bad. I mean, they have their moments. We all had our moments. But then there's just some that are like, okay, something isn't wired up top properly. Right. Um, you know, you just you're not getting it. No amount of talking is going to resolve whatever issue it is no. that you have. And that's that's where sometimes look, I um I came through the school system when the uh when boot-ins were, were already outlawed. But I went through a, a Catholic school and um they still kinda did it, but did it a little bit under the table. And um so I, I got it a couple of times and it hurt like hell, but I tell you what, you learn a bit of respect that way and you learn that, hey, you know what, I've really screwed up here. I've done the wrong thing. Let's not do that again because I don't want to deal with the consequences. Yeah, the, well, the thing in our school that was always bad is you, we had that same small group of kids. And I was friends with a couple of them, and I felt bad for them because they were, they were actually good-hearted. They just couldn't channel all their energy in, a pro, in the proper way. So that led to them getting in trouble. And the thing in our school, if you ever heard our principal's if you ever heard a set of keys drop and hit the floor, didn't matter whether you heard anything else, you knew somebody was about to get their butt whooped because he would drop his keys and he'd say, so-and-so, bend over and pick up my keys. Whack! <laughs> Hand them back to him. He'd drop them again. Pick up my keys. Whack! And I mean, oh, it was it was brutal. I mean, and you'd hear it echo through the halls of the school. It's like, oh, everybody just cringed every time they heard it. Well, yeah, I, I think there's an issue of, of abuse versus discipline, and I think some people took it too far that we're, we're an authority, and, you know, that's unfortunately the way it is. You give people power, and they sometimes abuse it. I, I still believe that it's, it's still a valid way to discipline. Oh, yeah, and you know, um, when I was in uh, junior high, I think it was, I was told that the principal had a, a paddle up there and I didn't even look at her crossways because I didn't want to get spanked. I was just, of course, I, I always say I was raised a, a Lutheran, which, you know, I feel guilty for everything. So um, there's something to be said for that too. But um, no, I was just, you know, scared crapless to not do anything wrong, which I guess was the intended way. And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have been as uptight as I was, but I kind of wish more kids were a little bit more that way. But, you know, for all I complain about things or comments I make once in a while, I have to remind myself our school isn't too bad. There's incidences once in a while where I kind of, you know, kind of say WTF, and I don't mean Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And, um, <laughs> yes. Well, I've never heard of putting that in that term before. Oh, that's great. <laughs> WTF, what does that mean? It means Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, little child. Don't ask me any different. Um, but, you know, we have our moments, but for the most part, it's not bad because um, 
uh, you know, I could be patching up bullet holes and cleaning blood off the walls. There are schools where that kind of stuff happens. And it mm. is frustrating. And I remember a few years ago, we had one student that, uh, yeah, he should have definitely seeked psychological help because he was into the graffiti. And it was uh, stories about a boy and his dog and not in a good way. Um, oh, yeah. dear God. Yes. And I had to clean. And it was like daily. And, you know, if I ever could have caught him at it. I would have drug him down to the superintendent and just, you know, sat him down. But, you know, I could never quite prove anything. And I knew that they knew that he had issues and they were dealing with it. So I figured throwing one more turd on that pile wasn't going to help. But uh, I knew that they were trying to deal with things. But it was just frustrating. And I was very happy when he, you know, graduated. But, uh, you know, but that kind of stuff doesn't come along real often. And it's, for the most part around here, it's more of the Eddie Haskell type stuff not you know uh not horrible graffiti not vandalism not things like that it's just kind of why okay you tortured the janitor are you happy with yourself now you know please go away uh mm-hmm. that's what it amounts to so well you know uh growing up in a, a more rural setting as you did and i did uh mike the type of graffiti we didn't we couldn't afford spray cans that was too expensive uh but they used to take the fertilizer and write bad words on the in the yard of the school, occasionally they'd write them on the football field. <laughs> they put the fertilizer down, you know, to to spell out some. Oh, instead of saying "oh fudge," they would say something else. But yeah, well, see, I've always wanted to put like some uh, mix up some uh, soil serulent and go out when we stripe the football field and just have permanent stripes out there. So we don't. I mean, they might be brown, but I mean, hey, at least there'd be stripes on the field. We wouldn't have to go out there and keep painting them in all the time, but. Hmm. That that's just me. That's just your your dis, disdain for sports. So. Yes, yes, it is. So and but talking about school and everything, since school's kind of winding down, at least in this hemisphere, for a lot of kids, um, and we're approaching uh, summertime as Mark enters, as he thinks the deep depths of winter. Oh, it is freezing here. I've got three layers on. I've got uh, I've got thermies, and I've got a heater next to me, and I am cold. Oh, now now I have to look to see according yeah, to my li- my little thing. Let's see what 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 poor little Marky Poo is dealing with here. According, oh, all right. So I'm going to give us in Fahrenheit, and then I'll do it in Celsius. All right, it's currently 70 degrees here for me. Uh, Mike, you're at 55 degrees. And Mark is kind of in the middle at 63 degrees. We'll see. And uh, so if we take it over <laughs> to the temperatures, Mark understands. I'm at 21C, uh, Mike's at 13C, and Mark's at 17C. So, yeah, I don't know what you're complaining if, about. If That's it, pretty If it's below 20, it's cold. If it's above 4, it's hot. So... <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here talking to you if it was above four. I would cancel the show. You're, I, you and Elisa. I think we got to put you two someplace together. I don't know. We, we need warm climates. I, I can't stand the cold. You know, I want a climate that's like thirty-five degrees all year round. Oh dear God! I would just be a puddle of goo, a big puddle of goo, but I'd be a puddle of goo. Ugh, oh, that's thirty-five Celsius. Oh yeah. No, yeah. no, yeah. Yeah, see now, my I, 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 I well, won't go down the weather thing too long, folks. Here, right. but for me, my perfect daytime temperature is around fifty-five, maybe sixty Fahrenheit. Nighttime temperature about thirty degrees Fahrenheit. So, 
that's slightly below freezing mark and and very warm during the days if you're up around 55 or 60 so yeah no i i, I just i couldn't do that that's way too cold for for my liking so but as we were talking about summer something came to mind and i've been tweeting about some things um summertime also brings its own unique tech and the stuff that we geek out about and uh, one thing that I'm geeking out about is I had to purchase a new outdoor barbecue grill. Well, I have uh, had a gas grill that I paid way too much money for probably seven, eight years ago now, I think it was. And it just, it was on its last legs last year, but I made it limp through. And I knew I was going to have to buy a new grill this year, but I didn't buy another gas grill. I made the switch back to charcoal. I decided that I like the way the food tastes better. I like the extra carcinogens I'm getting coming into my food. And I love the, you know, when I started cooking with it, I bought it a week ago, and I just got a chance to cook on it this weekend. But it was so nice to pour the charcoal out, smell the lighter fluid, light it, watch the big flames roll up, pat out the fire on my head for the hair that caught on fire, you know. It was it was quite nice, and I'll have to say I tweeted a couple pictures, folks. If you want to see in my stream uh, from what would be May twenty third, uh, as we record this, the uh, it'll always be May twenty third. That'll never change. What am I saying? Uh, <laughs> there's a couple pictures of the squash I cooked on the grill and some steaks and stuff I cooked on the grill. I actually kind of love it. So I I, I throw it to Mike and Mark. Uh, do you guys cook on the grill? And if so, which which camp are you in? Gas or uh, charcoal? I go well, gas just purely because you hook it up, you turn it on, and it's pretty much good to go. You don't have to play with it too much. Um, and I think just mainly because out here, I don't see a lot of the charcoal barbecues anymore, certainly not the larger size ones. Um, that can sort of, you know, the family size. If you're talking the, the smaller round size, the traditional size, then, yeah, they're, they're still charcoal-based for the most part. But a lot of them have still gone gas as well. I think, too, it's a little bit cheaper with gas. Um, maybe I'm wrong with that, but it just seems to be a little bit cheaper. Well, I, yeah, I don't know if it's any cheaper because uh, a cylinder of gas here in my area is about $45, I think. And then if you get one, then when you exchange it, it's I forget what it costs now. Mm-hmm. But, oh yeah, I, I, oh here I am on Twitter. I'm looking at your barbecue. Very nice. Oh look at that. Ooh, yum. So yeah, I I really enjoyed going back to the charcoal, and I use uh, what's called match light charcoal, so I don't really have to use light or fluid. It's pre-soaked into the charcoal. But you know, just throw a match on it, and that grill. I got it hot, and it stayed hot for probably about two and a half hours so i could have done a lot of cooking on it and two and a half hours in a gas grill would use a ton of gas yeah that's of, true out of a cylinder so mm-hmm. and i was using probably about three dollars worth of charcoal so okay kind of goes no, back mate, mate, maybe i'm wrong it just yeah I, I don't know so well yeah we use gas here uh because yeah it's easier just uh um turn it on and you know throw let it warm up for a couple minutes and throw it on it's quicker and and for just the two of us i guess we could put a small amount in there and probably achieve the same thing but i have to wonder how much charcoal we'd end up using um 
to you know try and cook it, you're going to have to have a certain amount in there, and then you know it's mm. still going to keep going and going, and then you got to dispose of the ashes. I mean, there's pluses and minuses to both, and you know if you um, don't pay attention and the coals are still a little warm yet, you can melt something or potentially catch on fire if you don't pay attention to what you're doing. But uh, I don't know. I just like, but you know, on the other side though, we've had uh, several gas grills and uh, our problem is it seems like the burners always burn out after a while. And we've, uh, we haven't gotten a, a cast iron grill. I don't know if that would be, or cast iron burners. I don't know if that'd be any better. We've always gotten the stainless steel ones and yeah, they last a few you know, four or five years, I suppose, and then they start to crap out eventually. Well, my problem was, uh, too, that when I went to a couple of years ago when I started to have some things that were not quite right, I couldn't even find the parts. I'm going, this grill's not that old. Why? And Charbroil was the name was the manufacturer, and that's a really well-known, big-name company. And I could yeah, not find ev- parts. Everything these days, Kevin, is, is designed to, you know, be replaceable. That, that's the problem. It, it's... They make it difficult to get parts, or they make it impossible to get parts after it's been released for, say, a year or so, after the initial warranty period's up. And it's just purely because they want you to go and buy another barbecue because they make more money on that than they do selling the parts. Yeah, and that just bothers me. I mean, I'm sorry. That bothers me as well. I, I don't like it in the least. I, I hate that that type of business model and just the wastage there. Um, but unfortunately, they do it. And... Um, but there's not much that we can do about it. Well, and, you know, as you say that, I remember back, way back, this would have been in the 70s, I believe, we had an electric barbecue grill um, with the, um, you know, your electric coils in there. And that did a pretty good job. And it was not, it was a tabletop-sized model. You could carry it around. Um, and that was pretty good. I um, I liked that one. Um and then the other one that we had was, I believe it was called an Echo Grill, if I remember correctly. Basically, it was this, uh, it, was, it was a collapsible uh, type grill. It was these rings that you could stack on top of each other. And you burn newspaper in there. Uh, and you could wad up newspaper. And you could grill several hamburgers. It'd be uh, fine for, you know, probably like the two of us or something like that, or, you know, a small family or something. Um, uh, uh, parents and two kids or something like that, or one or two kids. Uh, but that one worked pretty good. Then, you know, there you were just burning newspaper, which you already had. Um, once you, I mean, it wasn't, once you got the fire burning, it, it cooked pretty well. You might have to throw some more newspaper in once in a while. But, you know, it did a pretty good job. It was built to kind of funnel the heat up. Um, and we used that one a lot. And I wonder if we, I wonder if it's still out to the farm yet somewhere. No, I bet somebody took that. But that was kind of a decent grill. And it was just something small that you could throw in. Like if you were going to go somewhere in like camp. Tailgating or even. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't a bad thing. And but you know, I haven't seen those around much lately. Uh even electric grills, and I haven't looked that close. I mean you get the George Foreman types, but this was like it had um um uh, lava rocks or whatever they called yeah. it in it. Yeah, over top of your uh uh electric uh coil, so then that would you would kinda get the the barbecue type flavor or you know, the that um the burnt stuff coming off there so there was that and i i thought that one was pretty good i should look to see if they have uh electric barbecue grills anymore they yeah they do still i looked around a lot uh because i came to the conclusion i wasn't going to spend more than 150 us on a or uh, 200 dollars us mm-hmm. on a grill and uh the one i bought which there's a picture out there of it's a weber it's 
and I, it was 129 or 139 dollars. But you know the one thing you talked about, Mike, getting rid of the ash. One of the nice features this grill has is it's got a lever on the bottom that you move back and forth, and it sweeps the ash down into a bucket, a stainless steel bucket underneath of it, and then you just you, know, you release the handle and take the bucket out and dump it. It's really kind of easy to get rid of the ash, and this is compared to the last charcoal grill I had where. I actually used to have to scoop it out with a cup, you know, after the grill cooled down good. Uh, you know, when you, you when you were talking about how to get rid of the ash, all I could think of was the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sprinkle somebody's ash around so you think <laughs> no leftovers. But it is kind of neat. I, you know, like I said, it, you know, for what I paid for this, if I get two or three years out of it, I'm not going to feel as bad as the looking at the replacement for the grill I had was anywhere from three hundred and fifty to up to five hundred dollars US. And I'm going Yeah. I'm not paying that kind of money for a grill. It sits outside. I do keep them covered. But I mean this one, the one I had, uh a couple years and the the markings were wearing off the front of the damn grill, you know, from where I could see what I was you know, I kinda knew where to set the burners and stuff. But I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. This thing is, it was a, it said charcoal, professional, or commercial grade. And I'm going, I don't know what commercial this is for. And Bugs Bunny commercial or some shit. I don't hmm. know. But uh, it just kind of ticked me off. And, and, you know, I just, it was just ridiculous. So I'll see how the experiment goes this summer. We actually got lucky. The local grocery store had charcoal this on sale this week. So I've been buying a bag every day just to stack it up. Because it's uh, like half priced this weekend because it's Memorial Day weekend here in the United States. Uh, thank you to all the veterans uh, and all those uh, who have uh, paid the ultimate price as well as those that served uh, uh, to, to fight for our freedom here in this country. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But that's one bit of summer tech. Another type of summer tech, even though I bitch and moan about <laughs> it, is lawnmowers. And I'll have to tell you, I started looking at an old-fashioned, real-type mower to let my kids use, <laughs> to, let them, to let them get the real feel for mowing grass. You evil, evil genius, you. Well, I actually have got my son now doing the trimming with a pair of hand trimmers. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, that is cruel. <laughs> I pay him. He earns a dollar for trimming the entire yard for going around everything. Oh, uh, but he and he likes doing it. He doesn't mind it. You know, it's uh, funny. Nicholas in the last month has started to want to vacuum the floor every time he sees, you know, the floor a bit dirty. He's, oh, can I get the vacuum cleaner out and vacuum? It's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> no worries. It's incredible. He just wants to do it, so we let him do it. Um, yeah, just on just on the topic of lawnmowers, I've got to look at a new one anyway because I've got a an old uh, it's early, it's mid to early eighties vintage and it, it still runs perfectly well. It's a Victor lawnmower, one of Australia's best, but it's very very heavy and because we've got such a large block of land, it literally is a big strain for me to to push this lawnmower around. And there's actually an, another Victor one, but it's bloody expensive. It's about $600. It might be closer to 700 actually. And it walks as it goes as well. So it's nice and light, but it, it's got a walking capability. So you release the, the brake clutch, and, and then it just starts walking, as long as it's on a flat surface, of course. And you just sort of guide it, and you don't actually push it. It just kind of 
motorizes the wheels as well as everything else. It's, it's self-propelled. It's kind of, is what we call yeah. it here in the United States. And that's what yeah, I have. It's, it's very cool. And um, it's just the price that has been turning me off. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be interested in picking one up. I just go, uh, you know, I can pick one, a, a decent one up for $200, $300. And I don't know if I want to spend sort of more than double that price to, to get this, this one. I probably should. Um, no, we but, you know. No, no, the one I bought, the one I've got's a John Deere, and it's coming up on six years old, I guess, now. I guess this is like the sixth year I've used it, and it's self-propelled. But it, I mean, it, you know, you can, it has variable speed self-propelled, and um, it works pretty good. And the one I had before that was a John Deere. That one lasted 18 years. Uh, but it had a cast aluminum deck instead of a stamped steel deck, and see, te- te- technically yours only lasts for nine years instead of the eighteen years because for half of the year you don't have to mow. For half of the oh, for the season, uh, yeah, because we don't yeah. we stop mowing in usually October, early November, and don't have to mow again until March. So we get uh, wow. about four or five months off. Yeah, so we, we've we've got to do it all year round. Even even though in winter it's about once a month, um, but we've still got to do it all year round. And then summer uh, with the heat, it, it's every single weekend it's got to be done. Yeah. Well, and you see around here where we are, uh, uh, I think I mentioned on the last show, we literally on top of a gravel knoll here, a gra- uh, gravel pile. So. Um, when we hit about July and the rain starts to dry up, uh, we may mow our lawn. Oh, come you know, late July, August, maybe once every two weeks, maybe a month, something like that. And then we probably won't have to mow until mm, April or May, depending upon somewhere in there. So you know, we get uh, yeah. So it's probably about half a year that we use ours. But um, I was going to mention too, my my brother uh, who lives down in Sioux Falls has this novel idea. Uh, he around his house he's planted um uh, i he's he's kind of gone the prairie grass route uh and his neighbors seem okay with it i guess but he's kind of he's planted wildflowers and native grasses and that kind of stuff and so it's just got the, he he makes it look good so it's just not like it's a bunch of wild grass growing there but he's got it to the point where i don't even think he has a lawn mower anymore he's got his whole lawn done that way uh, and he's got other things. He's got some decorations, so there's not large patches of this stuff. But he's kind of got his lawn fixed up so that he doesn't even have to go out there and mow. Well, I put a link there in the chat for you guys to see this mower that I was looking at. Yeah, I took a look at it. That's pretty cool looking, you got to admit. It's not yeah. bad. It, it looks much better than the, the old-fashioned uh, oh, yeah. lawn mowers. You know, I, I remember those. I, look, i got to tell you, as a kid, it's a lot of fun to get one of those and push it around, especially if you don't have... What what we call out here bull grass, that really thick, hard grass that is near impossible to push mow, and uh, but it's it's just fun. It, it really is fun to get out there, spend an afternoon doing nothing, and just pushing the mower. And I mean that's why I like it because it's the only time when I don't do anything else, where I don't listen to music, I don't watch something, I'm not looking up something on the internet, I'm not reading a book, I'm not dealing with the family, I am literally just walking back and forth with a mower in front of me. And I'm not thinking about the mower. I'm not thinking about the grass. I'm not thinking about anything I have to do. It's relaxing. Yeah, see, I hear a lot of people say that to me. And my problem with it is the first time or two every year, it's relaxing. 
But after that, it's like, oh my god, this is like having to do some other god awful chore every week. Um, because it, I like don't... this show. No, this show is a pure pleasure to work with uh, work with Mike all the time. <laughs> well, and you see, for my wife and I during the summer, that's when we really get our workout at school, carrying and lifting stuff, and we're on our feet all day and everything. Then to come home and have to push the uh, lawnmower around. And it's not like we have a huge lawn. It takes about an hour to mow, but still, we're tired, we're wore out, we come home, we don't even want to do it. Now, the first time this summer, we had uh, somebody in town come over with a riding lawnmower and a bagger and just cut everything and uh, sucked up the leaves and all that stuff um, for the first time around. And I've uh, gone out and I think I mowed it once and my wife's mowed it once. So, uh, But, you know, it's just when we come home, we're tired. We don't want to do it. And we've even toyed with the idea of getting a riding lawnmower, um, which it, we could maybe get a small one, still be kind of overkill for what we got here. But, boy, it'd be nice just to be able to sit down and get this done. Well, I can tell you, if you yeah, want to get a riding lawnmower for a small yard, uh, what I would recommend, because when I was growing up, that's how I made th- – and that's probably the other reason I don't like mowing grass. Because from the time I was 12 years old to the time I was 17, the way I earned money was I mowed yards. And I had anywhere from three to five yards to mow a week. So that was, a, I mean, I was mowing every day, sometimes two yards a day, and it was all push mowing. And these were lots that were probably a third to three quarters of an acre, and I was push mowing it all. Well, a couple years into it, I'd saved up enough money. I bought myself a used riding lawnmower, Mike. Yep. But I bought one, because to me, grass looks better when you push mow it because of the way a push mower does. But... I found a riding lawnmower used that had one big single blade underneath of it. It was like a 30-inch blade, I think it was. And that made that really cut the grass really nice. It just looked like a big push mower had run over the yard. So you might want to consider something like that. But the yards here in my neighborhood are kind of on the small side. They're a quarter acre, give or take a little bit. And I got a neighbor up the street. He's got this great big lawn tractor. I'm sure it's got at least three blades under it. He's got double baggers on the back of this thing. He spends as much time turning that lawnmower around as he does actually mowing the grass. If you don't have the room for it, a big lawnmower is more of an inconvenience than a convenience. Well, yeah, and you see... See, back out in the farm, we had, because we did have a fair amount of mowing, some of it you wouldn't want to use a lawnmower for anyway. And we had a... um, um, uh, wheel horse lawn and garden tractor and so that uh, i wish we would have had the snowblower for that one but it was a mid-mount um uh 60 inch mower deck but then you could take that off you could put a little uh loader on there front end loader um and like i said i really wish you would have had the snowblower that would have just been sweet but uh and we had that for a number of years and actually it you know was on the farm when we kind of settled things up and we let my nephew have it he still has it in town here but yeah that thing was a behemoth um you had to you back and turn and even and mom thought she'd make mowing our yard out in the farm easier so she planted these flower gardens for me to have to mow around and i said um it would have just been easier if you would have left that so i could have just gone back and forth rather than having to stop and turn and back and turn and back and turn and get around all this stuff <laughs> yeah my mother had uh, uh some flower beds and i got tired of the same thing with the even the push mowing and so i started a plan that got rid of most of the flower beds every week i'd like nip off the little bit of the length of one flower <laughs> bed. so it took about two and a half years but i got rid of three flower beds that way <laughs> 
so yeah, she wasn't real happy when she finally realized what was going on, and she got to point. Right, find his mom all the way off now. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's why do these beds keep getting shorter? But uh, no, because I've mowed with everything from the push mower when I up to when I used to help my in-laws mow. He had a Farmall A, and like a nineteen fifty-four Farmall A that had a sixty-inch deck under, like you're talking about, Mike. Yep, a great big belly mower. And then I've used. He had a wheel horse, or not a wheel horse. Um, Simplicity riding mower, which my father-in-law still uses to mow his existing yard. Uh, and I, I didn't like that. I didn't mind the farm all, but I didn't like the simplicity to mow with. But because he had like four and a half acres he had to mow with of grass. So. Right. It was and, quite a- and up at the school, we have a, a riding lawnmower. We have one of those zero-turning radius ones. Uh, and that's nice. It would be complete overkill for our lawn here. But, you know, it, that is nice because you can sit there, you can turn on a dime and uh, some people, you know, ask me if you know I have a you know driver's license or a pilot license when I'm driving that thing because uh, I, I like to go fast. There's, I figure, well, it's got uh, you know it goes this fast for a reason, so I mow at that speed. I don't know if I should or not, but hey, I get it done. But uh, I don't get to drive it much. We have a, a lady that comes in for the summer. She's actually one of the 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 cooks down at the elementary that works with my wife, and then she comes up and mows uh, at the school for the summer. She gets twenty hours a week for doing that. And uh, I call her lawn mowing Leela because she she likes doing that stuff and she you know enjoys it. And she's out there on the big mower and then um, you know you're sitting there. Yeah, that I wouldn't mind doing if I was just on a riding lawnmower. But it's this having to push things around stuff that gets a little annoying. Yeah, I, yeah. Again, you know, I it, the first time or two of the summer. Hey, this is cool. It's like, oh, I'm sick of this shit now. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yet I never get. At least is going to shoot me when she hears this. I never get sick of using my snowblower to clear the snow. I might shoot you. Okay, that's fine. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. Thank God I don't need a snowblower. Uh, well, I don't know. You should. You. We need to get you some snow. We need to get a freak snowstorm to occur down there for you. No thanks. I and then th- have, and then have cameras. I want pictures. I want video. I just love, I may be cruel, but I just love watching Texans drive in snow. It is the funniest damn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, my God. Years ago, I was going down to visit a friend of mine in uh, North Carolina. He lived near Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And we left up here and drove down there. It's like four and a half hour drive from uh, here. And uh, it's we drove into a snowstorm. But I grew up driving in the snow. I'm, I was used to it. We got down there into Winston-Salem and... Oh my god, at that time the snow removal equipment they had were they put these like disposable blades on things and as they used them the blade kind of wore down. They were like rubbery plastic and they didn't really know how to plow the roads. They'd leave a little like six inch pile of snow down the middle of the road all the time. And apparently when it snows down there, stop signs, traffic signals, any traffic control devices become optional. <laughs> Amazing how that works. Yeah, I was going like, okay, you people are freaking nuts. I need to get drunk, <laughs> which we proceeded to do. But that was we were going to do that either way. So it didn't really make any difference. But yeah, that was that was weird. But Mike, you said you also had a new piece of summer tech that you were that you played around with. Well, yeah, it's nothing too big, but you know, up here we do. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things we don't necessarily want to encourage the lawn to grow, but we do want it to look good. So, um, yeah, and we actually bought it last summer, and I didn't get around to using it till this summer. But we went out and got a uh, one of those Scotts. Uh, 
Oh, what's the name of it? Uh, basically, it's the bag. You just strap the bag onto the spreader, and you flip the dial, and you just start spreading. Um, mm. You don't have to pour it into a hopper or anything like that. It's all self-contained in the uh, um, in the spreader. Yeah. Then when you're done, you just pull the bag off. And well, the bag reseals, doesn't it? When you take it off. Yeah, it's got this. Um, uh, you flip a lever, uh, and it. It basically just seals up the bag. It's got a, a mechanism built into the bottom of the bag that you just flip a lever and it'll allow it to flow through. How much more expensive is the fertilizer for than the regular bag of fertilizer for something like that? I haven't looked too close because um, um, we don't do it that often and just for the convenience of it. Uh, yeah, that's the one we got there. It's a Scott Snap System Spreader. Um, I don't know if it's a lot more expensive. Um, I mean, I just have a regular old drop spreader, which it works okay, but I've got some pretty good hills in my yard, so I either have to get it real full before I go across the hills, otherwise I won't get fertilizer coming out one side, or something I've taken to using now is uh, I have a hand spreader that I put, and I walk across the hills that way, so I get good coverage on them. So, which speaking of which, I probably need to fertilize the yard again. Shit. <laughs> Well, that's what you you could use that. Uh, that's nature's way of doing it. Oh, but, uh, dear Lord. I had a neighbor one time that he worked on a chicken farm, and he said, oh, I'm going to bring a bunch of chicken manure home, and I'm going to spread it on the yard. I said, he said, you want me to do yours? I said, don't you dare, Bobby. Don't <laughs> you do And he didn't, but he covered his and the other neighbor's yard. Oh, my God, the smell. I don't your, know, <laughs> your sinuses were clear for a week. I mean, I can live with cow manure, and I can even live with pig manure, but oh, and horse, but my God, chicken! Oh, my, or any fowl, I should say that. Yeah, yeah. well, because oh, they, yeah, but that's because it's fowl. It's it's fowl, fowl. That's all I got to say. I mean, well, geez. it's because they have an inefficient digestive system as compared to cows and sheep and such. So they have a lot of raw ingredients in there, which then produces ammonia, which, yeah, it's going to burn out your sinus cavities. Because we never had chickens on the farm, but my grandparents had a chicken house, and I would go over there and help gather eggs once in a while. Yeah, it would bring tears to your eyes. It's almost <laughs> as bad as smelling a perm. Yeah, that's true. And ladies, <laughs> and ladies I still think that's rip off. They call it a perm. Why do you still have to keep going back and getting them? I'm sorry. I believe it's a ripoff. Just saying, <laughs> just going there. But uh, well, is there any? Those are kind of the only. That's kind of the big summertime tech. I mean, I'm into grilling. I do like to grill, and I usually grill probably once a weekend, sometimes twice a weekend. I did it twice this weekend because again, it's a long holiday weekend here in the United States. Um, but that's the main summertime tech that I that I use the most is the grill and the lawnmower. Uh, the only other thing close to it is my porch swing where I go out and sit down. <laughs> well, what we try to do once in a while, and we're not big backyard people, but we do do, do it once in a while. Uh, and I'm trying to get some way to get a decent uh, Wi-Fi signal out back because we do like to go out back once in a while with our computers and sit around the uh, the patio table and just kind of do some things, maybe play a game or something like that. I took a picture a few years ago when everyone was out there with uh, – uh, all their laptops sitting around the table doing things. I think I called them nerds of a feather or something like that. <laughs> or, uh, or nerds in their natural habitat or something like that. So, uh, so I, I am on a quest to kind of try and, you know, update or 
get better Wi-Fi signal out there. I got I bought a new router because the other one I think was going bad, but I am tempted to use it as a Oh, now I'm in the territory I'm not real sure about, either a bridge or an access point or something like that, a Wi-Fi extender of some sort, just mm-hmm. to get a better signal out there. Yeah, you could definitely set it up as a, 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 a Wi-Fi extender, or basically just a, a range extender. You can do that easily. I've considered doing that with an old uh, Linksys I have here, but it's the problem was the Linksys would probably broadcast a really good signal, but it's got... Uh, antennas and stuff on it and there isn't any good place to put it upstairs where it wouldn't look kind of weird you know where I could get something that like a wall warp type of range extender that would be close enough to my airport extreme that would extend it and not look as obtrusive I mean just a little block on the wall type of situation mm. well what I'm actually considering doing or I'm thinking about doing is uh, the how the garage is attached to the house and I'm thinking and the uh the where the Wi-Fi comes in from the cable company, or not the Wi-Fi, but the uh, um, internet comes in from the cable company is right in the corner there by the garage. I'm thinking about maybe moving my router over there and then running, which might boost the signal by itself. But I'm also considering running a. Uh, uh, there's several ways I can do it because they wired the house before we had our cable taken out. They were they ran Cat Six cable around the house here, so uh, I'm also thinking about I could anyway I could come up with this kind of a Frankenstein wiring system where I could run a cable out to the garage and then put an Ethernet port in the side of the garage in an all uh, covered uh, all weather cover, and then when we go out there, if it's just me, I can plug the computer directly into that. Or I bought the other day. I yeah, here's a surprise, people. I bought another gadget. Um, oh no, really? Yeah, <laughs> shocking. Uh, and I got this for a number of reasons, but it's a Hutu. Uh, that's H O O T O O travel mate. Uh, it is a battery. It's a battery. It's all you can also charge. You can plug USB devices into it, and then you can plug an Ethernet cable into it, and it'll act as a travel router. So I could take that out there. Several of us are going to be out there. Plug an Ethernet cable into the jack and into that, and turn it on, and just set up a little Wi-Fi hotspot out there for us all to use. You know, I've ta- uh, I have some friends that uh, do that a lot. They have these little portable travel routers. That way, they can. Hardwire into the um, hotel Wi-Fi, and then mm-hmm. they broadcast. And I mean, I've heard any number of podcasters talk about it. Uh, you know, you hardwire in, then you broadcast that so that you can get all your devices that you have with you. Uh, you know, on the hotel's wife or on the hotel's network. Um, I actually take the different approach when I travel. I take my hotspot, my pay-as-you-go hotspot, and I just use it. That way I don't have to try to fight the uh, hotel Wi-Fi or, you know, worry about any of the rest of that. I'm looking this thing up, Mike. It's the Hutu TripMate. Is that the one you're talking about? Yep. Uh, $44 on Amazon. Uh, I'm showing it at $19. That's a different one, probably. They have several. Let me see if I can find a link here. Uh, there's another one that's $60. Um, there, here's a $44 one. It's, yes. the, it's the Elite. Yes, that's, that would be it. Okay, so Mike is elite, Mark, just so that you realize this. He's an yes, elitist. He's an elitist, apparently. Yeah. No, we're, we're not. No, that's all right. We're not going to judge him for that. I no. will. Okay. All right, okay. And for him being an elitist, I think I'll take uh, 2,000 geek points away from Mark and give them to Mike. Okay. Uh, and I'll, yeah. 
another two, and another two thousand away from Mark and give them to Elisa just on general principle. <laughs> so uh, that's that's a pretty cool looking device. Well, yeah, it's, and it's a battery, so you know you can charge up your devices if you need to, um, or you can plug your devices into it and charge from it, or you can use it as a battery to charge up your devices. Either it's either a charger or a battery, whichever. Um, and like I say, you can plug a USB device into it, and you can share files among. Um, you know, if you got a bunch of people there or a bunch of devices you're sharing uh, stuff with, so uh, you can use it. That I wish it had a. It doesn't have a SD card slot in here. Uh, that would be nice. You have to plug some sort of a USB. You know, it'll it'll run a uh, portable hard drive, but uh, a jump drive or something like that. You got to plug that into it. But it, I figure it'd be kind of handy because if we do go somewhere, just to have an, you know battery around to charge things up or some place for us to plug into to charge up our devices would be good. And it's got two ports on here. I think one is a one amp port and the other is a two. Yeah, one amp and a, um, I can't quite see. I think the other is a two amp, though. That's not bad, though. 2.1 amp, okay. So, yeah, and how yeah. many milliamps is the battery in this thing? 6,000. Well, that's quite a bit. Yeah, so it'd charge up an iPhone two, three times. Yeah, Probably prob- charge up an iPad once, I think. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So it's not too bad, but like I said, I bought that and just uh, I'm going to use it for you know several things. Um, but I just thought uh, it was kind of a, a neat thing to have around. Uh, um, and like I say, that way if I just want to have a cable there, um, just out there, then plug it in uh, and just have a little hot spot if I you know really want to. If if the kids come home and we all just want to set out back and kind of geek around, so give us an option anyway. Yeah, that's mm. true. I get actually do get a pretty decent Wi-Fi signal up. Uh, my router's in the center of the house, but on the lower level. But if I go on the deck, which is off the upper level of the house, um, I actually get a pretty decent signal from up there. It's not too bad, actually. So and if, if anybody had been online early yesterday morning, well, not real early, it was probably around 10 o'clock, I actually did a, a periscope uh, from up there, streamed out, and I had uh, three or four people, maybe five people that came on and were watching, and I only did it for like a couple minutes. That was actually pretty cool. I like that. Live streaming my life. It's that exciting, folks. <laughs> well, I could try live yeah, streaming. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out next time you do it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, you should. It was just beyond beyond belief, Mark. It was you know, <laughs> it was well, riveting. We, well, yep, we, we yep. talked talked about periscopes last time, and if I had a little bit more bandwidth to play around with, I've considered uh, doing a periscope of. Um, uh, me riding my bike through town just to give people kind of a nickel tour of the the town that I live in, but um, I just I don't want to go burning up too much of my bandwidth. Maybe when the end of my uh, billing cycle comes around, if I have some left, maybe I'll go out and do it sometime and uh, give people some advance warning if no, they want to watch I can it. Think this periscope thing is that I should go to a strip club and then periscope that. Oh dear Lord, folks, he would go right there. <laughs> oh yes. Hey, look, you know, my mind goes in one direction. I can't help it. I'm not going to apologize for it. I am the way I am. Yes, and that's part of the reason that your wife talks to me is because you're the way you are. <laughs> but doesn't uh, worry me. I know. I know. So I don't have to talk to her. So that's actually good. That's what I'm saying. She's looking for intelligent conversation. <laughs> that's all right. So, um, 
but you know, you made me think of something else there. Uh, I was sitting out on the deck this afternoon while I was uh, cooking, and we have uh, a bird feeder on one portion of the deck, and then we every year we get robins that nest underneath the one corner of the deck. I thought about trying to get a cam, you know, some sort of weatherproof outdoor webcam where I could live stream it and let people come in and look at that because uh, it's kind of neat to sit there and watch the mother robin come in and feed the little baby. She lands on the nest and you see these little mouths stick up above the top of the nest and she's spitting worms and stuff down into their mouths. It's actually kind of cool yeah, to watch. Yeah, that's more entertaining than a, a strip club. Uh, Boy. Yeah, it would be. Unfor- I would. I bet I get more views because I wouldn't have to have an age rating on. It. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. the thing with Periscope. It doesn't matter what you stream. Well, you can true. stream anything you like. That's that, that, that's the disturbing avenue of that that service. I, it's cool technology. I think it's great uh, from the technological standpoint, but it does have the ability to be misused um, and misused to the detriment of you know just general niceties and respect of each other and stuff like that. So, well, yeah. that's human nature, though. It is, unfortunately. Yeah, any, anything that can be thought of to be used for a positive method will be abused by somebody at some point. I mean, that's, that's just the way it works. So, but anyway, all right, well, I think we've kind of beat the summer tech stuff, but uh, something we haven't talked about for a few weeks is uh, Mr. McPeak's experiment with cord cutting, I should say. Yeah, we're, um, you know, for me, I, I've kind of cut the cord for a while already because with my job, I was looking for some way to time shift the programs I watch. So there's very little stuff I watch live. So I haven't really used uh, cable, you know, maybe for the last year or so. Uh, so it was more my wife. And um, I bought a second Roku and put in the dining room so the living room and dining room both have roku so she wouldn't have to try and wrap her head around a different um menuing system um because roku is pretty easy and straightforward i do have a fire tv that one uh, i don't know for me the menuing system is fine but i don't know for somebody who's not used to that kind of stuff to me it doesn't seem completely intuitive um but so i got the roku and i got that set up and uh I kind of showed her how to do it and then walked away because sometimes if I try to explain things, it just irritates the crap out of her. Uh, so she just sat down by herself and was flipping around and, do, and uh, watching things. And she's, you know, found a few things. And she, I got QVC set up online for her so she can watch that. And she's found some other things. She's watched a few history shows and she's gone into things. And so I think if she just takes the time to sit down and look around and experiment, I think it'll be okay. You know, the thing is we were never – heavy tv watchers she'd have it going but it was mainly for background noise so that's why kind of the qvc running in the background just so there's some chatter or something going on back there uh but and you know the other thing is we don't have kids if we had kids who was wanting to watch a lot of this stuff or they wanted to watch the popular show or whatever's on tv that could be a little bit you know more difficult but for us it seems to be going pretty good um we haven't had any big issues yet. The, probably the worst thing we have, we uh, are over the air. Our channels are, or our stations are all closest. One, I think, is about 12 miles away. 
And we only get that one basic station. And even then, sometimes the signal will kind of break up. And I don't really want to have to put an antenna back on top of the house. I got rid of that when we had the roof re-shingled and we had cable TV. Mm-hmm. And I really don't want to go back to having holes drilled in my roof and a big thing up on top there to break off during ice storms or whatever. So I'm trying to avoid that. But we got the two local channels. Uh, well, it's one station. So they, one is the news, weather, and local programming. The other one is kind of a... Uh, they call it UTV. They'll show reruns and that kind of stuff. So we have some entertainment for life. And we have something because uh, summertime here is severe weather time. And so um, we have something in case of tornadoes or, you know, um, thunderstorms or whatever. So we can check radar uh, on TV, to our live reports to see what's going on. Because it was um, oh, a couple weeks ago, the uh, little town of Delmont, uh, South Dakota, was hit by a tornado and I don't know if if, I don't think it was wiped out but it suffered a lot of damages so we take you know weather in South Dakota here pretty seriously Um, but uh, so we have the stuff that we need and I think it's it's going all right you know we'll check in a little while and I asked my wife you know do you miss having cable and she goes and not really I mean sometimes it's a little frustrating but you know otherwise it's um, we haven't really missed it too much well, you know, the you talk about putting an antenna up. I remember years ago before we had uh, cable, well, even after we had cable, and uh, the uh, where where I grew up, the house I grew up in, you couldn't get a lot of channels. I mean, it's the old joke, four, five, seven, nine, or whatever the hell it was in your local area. But uh, what I had good luck with, Mike, instead of putting another antenna on the house after the old one finally gave out, is I put one up. I had enough room. I bought a full-size outdoor antenna, but I hung it in the attic from the rafters and then sit there and and aimed it and got it working. And we used to get great signal that way. Well, see, we got one of those up. We got one up in our attic, too. I just, I don't want to, it's more of a crawl space than it is an attic. We blew insulation up in there, and I don't know if I really want to get in there. Oh, get lung damage trying to mess with that thing but there is one up there and before we got these other antennas i tried hooking that one up and i don't know if it has to be necessarily a digital antenna i think anything that'll grab the signal should work yeah uh and so i tried that and we just couldn't get anything with that so then we bought these two uh uh digital antennas and like i say they can pull in two they claim to be 50 mile uh radius antennas but um we're only getting the two, and even that the ones the one that's about twelve miles away. I still had to walk around, position the antenna just right to pull it in. So um, I don't know. I'm a little frustrated. So yeah, that's that can be a real pain in the butt. And then for me, there's at best I would get there's a couple local channels. I mean, they're low budget uh, television stations. Uh, there's a PBS. I think I can get an NBC and maybe an ABC affiliate. And that would be it. There just isn't any other broadcast television in the area anymore. It's all gone because cable came in and took over. So, yeah. And the really sad part is, as Mark's talked about, cable came in with the idea of commercial free because you were paying for television. And now you'd still got as many damn commercials on this stupid stuff. It annoys yeah, the it's hell. It's ridiculous. And you're not even seeing the advertising become reduced now that. Uh, internet-delivered content is starting to really pick up pace. You you would think that these cable uh, suppliers would turn around and say, okay, well, 
you know, we're a bit scared of Netflix and, and Amazon Prime and all these other on-demand services that maybe we should find out what's causing people to walk away from us. And one of those things is the ads. I mean, if you look at every single thing that you watch, well, every hour of television, you've got at least 15 minutes worth of ads. That's in Australia at least. I mean, that over a course of even a week uh, it is a lot of wasted time that we don't need. And, I, you know, I, I think I can speak for most people that would agree that, you know, we don't mind paying for content, we, but we shouldn't have to have the advertising as well. It'd be different if it was free. Free? Like, we, we've got some channels that free stream and then they still put ads in the stream. That's fine. Don't have an issue with that. But I don't want to sign up to Netflix and then have ads like the uh, the cable companies around the world have done. That just, to me, is um, is not doing the right thing by the consumers. It's double dipping, is what it amounts to. In Absolutely. And I don't. Yeah, and and I've gotten to the point where like Mar- Mike, I time shift most everything I watch, and when the commercials come on, I have to fast forward through them. I just can't stand it. And my wife will sit there and she'll say, oh, it's okay. It's just a commercial. She doesn't pay any attention to it, but I can't stand the commercials. They just annoy the crap out of me most of the time. Mm -hmm. So I have to speed through them. Even with live sports, I've made no secret that I'm a football fan, uh, American football, uh, the NFL. And a lot of times when I want to watch a football game, I will actually wait about an hour or so after it starts before I start watching it. And then I can speed through the game, and I don't have to sit through all the other crap and the crud and the commercials and all this other stuff. And I end up catching up to the game about the time it ends, and I only have to watch the commercials for the last maybe half hour of the broadcast. So it works out well for yeah. me. So I, I much prefer it that way. I just The commercials are just annoying. And it's so many times, and online it's even worse, it's the same commercial over and over and over over again that drives me crazy too especially online where you know you'll be watching something maybe like on a hulu and they get to the commercial oh. break and and you get a commercial for some model of car i don't know what the heck model of car it is well then you watch 10 minutes and then it's that same car commercial comes up again it's like all right bad enough you stuck ads in here how about at least cycling through and giving me a different ad <laughs> you know I mean, come on, folks. This is just ridiculous. And I just ignore the damn ads. I mean, as most people do. So I don't know how they make any money off that crap. I guess it's just the ad impressions is the way. Well, there's a lot of psychology in advertising. And even though we claim to ignore them, and we all do ignore them, the jingles get in your head or the brand name or the brand image or something gets in your head. And that's what they aim. They aim to to tackle advertising via psychology so that we are watching it even if we're not really watching it, even if we're not paying attention. Yeah, and I, I know, well, you know, I was reading a thing recently. They were talking about um, uh, business classes and getting a business degree at, a, at, at universities. Mm-hmm. And now you, when you take marketing classes, you also have to take a psychology class to go with it. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> God, what is this world coming to when you have to – subject people to stuff like that i mean well not only are they evil sobs uh now they're going to become uh you know mental terrorists even yeah i i don't know and again i again i don't mind paying for good quality content uh i support you know that kind of content and i'm more than willing to pay for it but it's just like with the hbo 
now? Is that what it's called on um, on the Apple on iTunes that you can get and through the uh, through that or HBO Go? It's one of the two. Yeah, but frankly, I'm not paying fifteen dollars a month because there ain't nothing on HBO that's worth paying fifteen dollars a month for. They got to come up with a better pricing scheme. There's even that. That's when you turn to uh, say, for instance, iTunes. And you go, okay, well, that one TV series that is on this network, you know what, I don't want to, to sign up even for a month for that network, but you know what, I want to see the show, I'll get it on iTunes if it's, you know, an affordable way to do it. Or alternatively, you go and you source the, the DVD or the Blu-ray copy and get it that way. And I think the, the greatest thing that we've got today um, is that we've got so much, so, so many options to have TV when and where we want on various formats. You guys know that I've gone back very heavily into physical media, but I still do the streaming. I still love getting instant access and and immediate gratification. That's awesome. But if it's something that I really love, like Star Trek, I have to own copies of that. And, you know, my DVD copies of Next Generation are going to go down to my son, and then I'm going to get the Blu-ray copies as well. And, you know, it, there's certain things that you buy on physical, certain things that you buy on iTunes, and then certain things that you go, you know what, I don't mind streaming this, you know, just to see it. And maybe it doesn't sort of go, oh, yeah, I want to see that again. Or, you know, I mean, there's been shows that I'll watch once every decade or so and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. That's not too bad, but I won't care if I never see it again type thing. So I think we're just we're sport for choice now, which is good, uh, but they just haven't. There's not this one universal business model yet that says, "Hey, if the user pays, give them this quality and give it to them everywhere on every platform and and all this kind of stuff." It's still not seamless. If we look at the Apple Television and and the so-called rumors of Apple doing some major subscription service where it doesn't matter where it comes from it's just under the one banner that's very cool i don't think that they could perhaps do that but you know who knows apple's done some pretty cool things uh but it, it really needs to be some something needs to be changed right across the industry worldwide because content's different in every region and every country and that's what drives piracy it is the, oh, you know what, I want this one show, but it's on HBR, I'm not paying for HBR, or I want this... And, and because it's on HBO, maybe it's not then on iTunes, or it's on iTunes a year later, or, or you know, there's no... It should just be... When it airs live, then all the internet delivery and, and all that kind of stuff, as soon as it's ended live on the traditional television networks, maybe the traditional cable network, it should then be available for streaming the minute well, it finishes. Well, I'm okay with even, you know, one day. But uh, sure. I have, you know, I haven't looked recently on CBS where uh, Big Bang airs. Um, but the last time I tried to watch an episode of Big Bang on CBS... It was you watched it in like five or six minute chunks, and then they stuck commercials. Oh, uh, it's it's ridiculous out here. They do the same thing, and it's just oh, hold on, oh, ad, mm, okay, and it's like what? It's just too many ads for a, a twenty-two minute episode. It's it, yeah. it's just crazy, and the ads go for three to four minutes out here anyway. Uh, I'm sure they go 
roughly similar for you guys. And it's just really, I wouldn't even mind if, you know, they want to do a, a front ad, an end ad, and then a mid-roll ad. Fine, make the mid-roll five minutes. Make it six minutes. But don't keep stopping the show all the time. It just irritates the crap out of me because you get started, you get watching, and then all of a sudden, what ad? Oh. Well, you know, I had recorded one of my favorite movies, uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, which, mm-hmm. I, which I really liked that movie. And I recorded it off, I think it was AMC here in the United States. And it was a four-hour recording, but I think the movie front to back is just over three hours or less than that. I can't remember anymore. But it was funny. When I watched it, the first, I don't know, 40 minutes or so went with no ads. And then it started having ads, and I started timing it. Every 10 minutes, they stuck in three minutes worth of ads. And that went on for a long time until it got to close to the end where they were the where they were starting to talk about setting up for the big battle there at the end of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, movie. Then they went, you know, they were going like twenty minutes without it, or twenty five minutes maybe without ads. It's like that sounds like someone's actually strategically placed the ads throughout, which is kind of interesting because it sounds like they they stopped it for the first 40 minutes to get you into the film and get you committed so that you had to keep watching it, you wanted to keep watching it, and then they started putting the ads in, and then they thought, oh, well, now it's getting up to the more dramatic scenes, we better drop it off a bit. That's an interest that that again, talking of the psychology of advertising, that really plays into the psychology of make sure you get the person watching you know, don't don't give them an ad in the first twenty minutes because the story hasn't developed enough by that stage. They're not committed if they haven't seen the film before. Interesting. Yeah, it was a, because I thought, wait a minute, what's going on? So then I actually sat there because uh, my wife was sitting there watching it with me. She was doing something else, but it's like, oh my god, this is getting ridiculous. So I started timing it because as I'd hit the skip, I could see you know where I was in the movie. And I'd skip, I'd go through three minutes ad, ten minutes of movie. Three minutes ad, ten minutes of movie. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this is driving me up a wall. So the only good thing it ended up is I'll probably go out and buy it on Blu-ray now. So I have it. Yeah, it's definitely worth getting it and and owning that on a, on a physical. You know, I, I still love, and I, I hate ultraviolet. And it's just one of those things. They just haven't done that properly. Uh, but I, I used to love, and I still do love, the ones that uh, are available with the iTunes uh, download code as well. That has been brilliant to have, you know, my Star Trek um, films, the, the the last two reboot in the reboot series, and you can get it on iTunes Plus on, on Blu-ray, and it's great. I, I honestly don't mind paying a little bit more to get that functionality. That's really cool. Because if I don't feel like getting up off the lounge or if the kids want to watch it on their iPad or something, great, they can, they can watch it. It's there. It's not available on the Apple TV, on my computer. But if I really want to sit down and have that cinematic experience, put the couple of hours aside, good sound, great visuals, then I'm going to go and pick up the Blu-ray copy. Really, the the... The film and television industry just don't know what they're doing. They put out something great like that, then they change it. And it just, to me, is such a shame, an absolute shame, because give us an all-you-can-eat. Give us everything. Give us the digital copy. Give us the physical disc. It'll increase the sales of physical discs because people like me will go, oh, I get both, so, yeah, I want that, even if it costs a few dollars more. 
Um, it'll reduce piracy because Blu-rays you can't copy easily. You can copy them, but they it's more trouble than it's worth from experience. Trust me, don't even waste your time. Um, DVD was very easy to copy, but no, Blu-ray is, is hell. It's, um, it's tedious. So they, they do themselves a disservice by not having all these options available. Uh, you know, we love content. We love to be entertained. And we love the content that's put out there. But I don't want to buy it on one system and then be looking for it on another system and, and can't have it. I, I need to have that flexibility. And, and having it on disc and streaming or download is uh, the best of both worlds in my book. Well, I don't like the the ultraviolet stuff because of the problem I ran into with it. and I, yeah. And I kicked it to the curb right then. I'm sorry. That was just absolutely ridiculous and stupid. Oh look, it, it, it is. I, I completely agree. Ultraviolet is is the bad way to do digital copy. Uh, iTunes was great. The the problem is they didn't. They took away digital copy. iTunes digital copy in preference of ultraviolet. When what they should have done was kept both and giving consumers a choice. Because you know what, all it is is a digital file, and it doesn't matter whether one's ultraviolet and whether one's iTunes. It really doesn't matter. But give people the option. If people don't want to use iTunes, and there's plenty of people out there who hate iTunes, that's fair enough. Uh, but give them the option then to use Ultraviolet or then to use another uh, online video streaming service with their code. And I know some movie studios did that for a short period of time. You could choose whether you wanted which service you wanted it to be delivered from. And I don't know if they still do that. I haven't come across it recently because even ultraviolet discs are becoming less and less uh, compared to where they were maybe a year, 18 months ago. It seems like more films are just coming out now with no digital copy again. So I don't know. It's, it's disappointing. I just, I really want an all you can eat, all you can eat and just it's there wherever I want to watch it. And if I don't want to watch it on that service, fine, doesn't matter. It's, it's yeah. just there. Yeah, no, that's that that utopia is something we need to work for. And, and maybe the HBO subscription thing that they're doing through iTunes and Apple is that first, as, as many people have said, that first chink in the armor of breaking some of the monopolies and maybe making them rethink how this all should be distributed. So. Yeah, they, they definitely need to get iTunes, Netflix-style um, streaming as the standard and then work up from there because the, the stuff that you're getting in HD from iTunes and Netflix is not uh, anywhere near Blu-ray quality, especially on the audio side of the fence. Um, but you know what? If they make that as the standard and then all content, um, if it goes through some sort of central Apple TV network or something – if they could do that and master that and say, right, everything's now HD guaranteed, then you're going to go, wow, okay, this is now great quality consistently, great sound consistently, and it can only get better from here. That's what they need to do. They've got to stop being gimmicky and mucking around with things. They've just got to give the content that we want and give it in the quality that we deserve, especially when we're paying for it. Yeah, exactly. And I think on that note, folks, we'll wrap up the show this week. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, since we didn't actually introduce ourselves at the outset, although I kind of guess that if you're a regular listener, you know who we are, we'll give a little outroduction. So, uh, Mr. McPeak, why don't you start us out? 
Yeah, if you want to find out what I say once in a while, you can find me on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have an about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Greentree, if anybody would care to hear anything that you think about anything, where could they find it out? Hmm. com is probably the only place. Uh, thank the Lord it's all cornered off onto the side of the Internet. Anyway. Um, yeah, but, so it, it, it's in the dark zone of the Internet. You know, it's, um, it's in the it's deep almost web. one of those spam pages. Yeah, it's in the deep web. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but if you want to find out more about me, folks, you can always follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. Or if you go over to my about.me page at about.me forward slash Kevin Alder. Uh, if you want to find out more about the show, go over to geekiestshowever.com. Uh, reviews in iTunes are always welcome, and we would appreciate them. So we hope you've enjoyed the show, and I'd like to say, between now and next week, don't forget to hug a geek. Hello, people. My name's Peter Bird, and I'm the host of the Deep Look podcast. The idea behind the show is that we talk to our guests and we learn more about them, the subjects, the people, the things that shape their lives or the things they're interested in or the things they would possibly want to know more about. Basically, we just like to look a little deeper and see what's there and to learn. If that appeals to you or you like that idea or if even if you have a guest that you think we should try and speak to, then come on by and give us a go. We are part of the Stoplight Network.